This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. All right, Greg, let's get into your uh, top five nuggets that you've been able to pick up in the last week. Of course, we're getting closer to free agency. We're now less than two months away from the draft. Let's begin with note number five. I like how you actually, you know, you you numbered them for me so I can keep I'm, track. I'm just, a, I'm just a journalist nerd like that. <laughs> this, is like, this is one of those listicles designed to get a lot of hits, a lot of user engagement. All right, so listicle number five is uh, Marcus Mariota. What are you hearing about Marcus? Of course, there's been a lot of talk about him over the past three weeks or so, uh, maybe possibly being a fit with the Patriots. What are your sources telling you about Mariota? Okay, a couple things on Mariota. Um, Number one, I'm not exactly sure how much of a fit he is for the Patriots. Certainly he has his good points, and, and I wouldn't totally rule out him coming here. Um, let's just say from people that I've talked to around the league um, that his personality, his leadership, uh, sort of you know the way he leads teams, which to say he doesn't really, he sort of sits in the back, hmm. I don't think is very appealing to the Patriots. I don't think he would be very high up on their list. Uh, even if he was, there's this component, Nick, to this is that uh, we all know that his his contract is an issue. And the easy thing to, to, to say would be like, well, look, you could trade for the guy and then rip up his contract and blah, blah, blah. Y- yes, that is possible in theory. But Nick, what needs to happen is the player needs to play ball on that. And for what I'm hearing, at least from Mariota's camp, is that they are not willing to play ball in the contract. And what I mean is the way his contract is written right now, and he has one more year left on his deal for, and I think he has a no trade clause. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on that, but basically his contract pays him at $10 million. If he's a backup for this season, it pays him for as 21 million for a starter for this year. You you might say, look, that's the going rate. That's not a, that's not a bad deal for a quarterback, but, Considering you don't know what he's going to be off of, you know, he lost his job in Tennessee. He's had injury problems. He he barely appeared for the Raiders last year. He did look good when he got out there. But are you willing to say, all right, yeah, we're just going to give you $21 million? I don't think there's many teams that are, are willing to do that. Certainly, the Patriots are not one of those teams. And And the other component about this contract deal, Nick, is that, what is it? What do you think it's saying to a team, say like the Patriots, where you have an opportunity as Marcus Mariota to go someplace and basically be given a starting job for a team that was seven and nine with not much talent last year, with the coaching prowess that they have on this team, um, with some of the promise that they are going to get better uh, with a lot of salary cap space and all that stuff? What do you think it says to the Patriots that? Marcus Mariota isn't willing to say, you know what? I just want a job. I just want an opportunity to start again. I like, you know, what the Patriots have done. I can help them be that again. Right. You know, rip up my contract, pay me whatever you want. I just want that starting opportunity. That's what, that's what most teams would want to hear. That's what the Patriots would want to hear. And that they're not hearing that Nick, I think is another red flag when it comes to Marcus Mariota. Is he trying to, leverage some more job security is that what it is is his idea of having 
you know, this be a big deal about the contract and the final year of the deal? Is he trying to finagle his way to have a team commit to him and say, okay, instead of this, you know, one year deal at 21 million, is he trying to leverage that into extra years or is it just, he wants to be a pain in the ass? Yeah, I think it's, I, I think you're right. I think, I think that that's a valid point to bring up. And, and that would make sense if you're Mariota's agents to say, all right, we have this one year deal. You know, if we, if we have our pick of places, we want, somebody to step up and say, we believe in you, Marcus, here's a three-year deal at, you know, what have you. But now that that's where they are with the contract now, you know, teams like the Patriots, they're just like, well, the Raiders aren't going to be able to keep them. They're not going to, they're not going to keep them at what he's making. Not with, I think they're $8 million over the cap right now. Yeah. Um, So we're just going to wait till he's released and then it'll be a free for all. Yeah, and it's interesting because, of course, you can look back at last offseason. You know, he got a pretty good contract when you look at Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, the deals that those veterans agreed to. Mariota got a better deal than those guys, a much better deal. And maybe just maybe the agents feel like, okay, well, last year the supply and demand was off, and now we're looking at this offseason. There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback, so let's draw the hard line, and maybe they feel as a free agent – they could go out there and get somebody, uh, you know, to, to pay them extra years, more time. Uh, let's jump to uh, nugget number four. Jimmy, I'm guessing is G. Jimmy G is still plan A at quarterback, and uh, you'd watch the Teddy Bridgewater stuff as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. So from what I gather from talking to people this week, over the past week, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is still far and away their plan A. They, that if they had to draw it up, Exactly, you know, the optimal situation for the Patriots for this coming season is Jimmy G coming back here. And of course, that's all dependent on the 49ers doing something. Now, and I think we talked about this last week, you know, the John Lynch stuff that's out there, you know, don't believe anything that John Lynch says. Like John Lynch really has no power there. He's basically... I guess he sort of runs personnel, but it's it's Kyle Shanahan's show from top to bottom at that place. And Shanahan keeps things very much close to, you know, his chest. He doesn't show his cards, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, he might even leave Lynch out there twisting in the wind. I would not put any faith into what Lynch says. I do think that the 49ers believe that they're not going to do anything until they do better. But this Teddy Bridgewater stuff, Nick, um bears watching or at least i know other teams are watching it and they're like hmm, this is kind of interesting because look if they trade for teddy bridgewater his base salary for the season is 17 million dollars yeah like that's not backup money (laughs) that's that's starter money and he makes 20 million the year after that and uh, believe me when i tell you this kyle shanahan is the type of guy who thinks that he can his offensive scheme can win with just about any type of quarterback. That's what he believes. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what he believes. And so if they are looking at Teddy Bridgewater, uh, because everybody knows the Panthers by now are looking to seriously upgrade at the quarterback position, I I think that's very interesting. I think it's – if you're a Patriots fan, you have to be rooting for the 49ers to do something. And and I don't think – I can't really see them going all in on like a Deshaun Watson. Um, certainly, if Russell Wilson becomes available, they ain't trading them to the 49ers. That's for sure. Um, 
But, you know, this Teddy Bridgewater thing's interesting. I bet you Shanahan looks at him and says, you know, that's a guy that I can win with. Maybe he throws a little bit better of a deep ball than Garoppolo for my scheme. Maybe he makes uh, some better decisions. I Look, I think Jimmy's way better than Teddy Bridgewater. But in that scheme, maybe he thinks Teddy's a better fit. But make no doubt, Garoppolo is plan A for the Patriots. And Patriots fans should be rooting for the 49ers to do something at quarterback. And and if you think Teddy Bridgewater is going there to be a $17 million backup insurance policy for Jimmy Garoppolo, I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah, I just can't see it happen. They still have Nick Mullins, too, as well, right? So they've got somebody who's in the system, who knows the system, who could be a cheap backup. I don't think they would make the move on Bridgewater unless he was going to be the starting quarterback. What stands out to me about that, Greg, is the fact that it's Bridgewater. As you just said, you know, is he a big enough upgrade over Garoppolo to justify making that kind of a move? Because not only are you going to let go of Garoppolo, but you're also going to trade an asset to get Bridgewater in town And I was just thinking, you know, throughout all this conversation about San Francisco and Jimmy G and the quarterback position, I had been thinking over the past few months that they were looking at a significant upgrade. And if they did not find that significant upgrade, then they were going to keep Jimmy G. But now this Bridgewater stuff is out there. Maybe they want to get rid of Jimmy G. Maybe they just don't believe in Garoppolo. They don't think he can be healthy, and they just want to move on with somebody else. Nugget number. And look, Nick, the other part of this, there's two other parts of this. Like, if you're the Panthers, and trust me when I tell you, before even the end of last season, they were like, yeah, we're done with Teddy. Like, you love you, Teddy, but we need to do better at quarterback. And so, you know, if you're them, you're probably willing to basically take anything to get his $37 million off the, off the books True. for the next two years. And and I think, I think that's part of the equation for them. And I think part of the equation for the 49ers is – you know, maybe maybe some of this, and I brought this up when I wrote about um, the Carolina Panthers and and the the Patriots possibly doing a deal to give them more ammunition for Deshaun Watson, um, where the Patriots say the Patriots traded for Brian Burns, their defensive end. The Panthers got 15 overall. Maybe some of these teams, and maybe include San Francisco in this, maybe they're looking to get more ammunition. They decide, you know what? Uh I, you know, let's let's deal off Teddy Bridge, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots, say, for a second-round pick, and all of a sudden we have more ammunition to do something, say we want to move up in the draft right. or something like that. I, I think there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that are moving around here with everybody. And don't discount just making moves to get more draft ammunition to possibly get a quarterback, say, a Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever – in this draft that maybe the, the the 49ers say, you know what, if we drafted that kid, and maybe that's why you have Teddy Bridgewater here. Maybe he's a gap guy, the Alex Smith role, the Patrick Mahomes to whatever the 49ers do. Yeah, it's a good thought. Uh, the next nugget, nugget number three, uh, this should not surprise people. According to what you've heard, beefing up the defensive line will be a priority, Greg. Yeah, and this this Nick and I wrote about I wrote a column on this the other day, um, and basically I wrote that before talking to anybody around the Patriots, and then they were like, "You were absolutely right," uh, you know, on what you wrote. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with the opt outs coming back, specifically Hightower and Chung. You know, if you get Chung back, which he makes a lot of money, but Bill Bell, you, you know that he's he, what well, he's thirty four years old. He signed for like another three or four years after this. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. Chung, man. 
Belichick just can't quit that guy. He can't just, quit young. <laughs> no, I think I think I, I need some sort of picture of like Cam Newton on one side and like Patrick Chung on the other, like with Belichick just walking around like some sort of buddy cop movie or something. Um, <laughs> but so Patrick Chung's coming back. We all know that. Um, it's tougher for him to make the end of the season every year. So I don't know how many, uh, you know, so many, how many rounds he has left in that chamber. But look, if he comes back, you have what we know. They have Devin McCourty at free safety or can basically play anywhere. Then yep. you have Adrian Phillips, who was very good last year as a box safety. He got a little bit beat up because they didn't have enough guys up front. Kyle Duggar at this point, and, and I'm sure he'll be more later on in his career, Nick, but I think for now, and I think you would agree, you could say that right now Kyle Duggar is a starting caliber box safety right now. Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah, I would say that. And then you have Patrick Chung, who's another box safety. Okay, so what are you going to do with three box safeties and Devin McCourty? And my thought is, you know, Hightower's back in the middle until you see, I don't know, who knows, maybe Juwan Bentley went on uh, Magic Greens or something in the offseason and he's like Popeye <laughs> this year. I don't know. But until until that happens, Hightower's in the middle. And then you go with, say, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips on either side of him. Duggar, you know, he's... He's got the physicality to play in the box. He's a little bit stronger, a little bit thicker um, than Phillips. Phillips did it last year, and he did pretty well, even though you know he had offensive linemen pushing him all over the place. Um, so you go with those three guys, and I could see that. Number one, it makes you a lot faster on defense. Number two, you know, increasing the speed really helps because – it helps you force turnovers. Nick, the, one of the measures that NFL teams use in terms of how fast are we on defense um, is force fumbles. And the Patriots were dead last in forced fumbles last year with five. They were dead last in, in recovered fumbles with four. So the Patriots need to get faster on defense. And one of the ways to do that with their personnel is to use more sub sub linebacker safety types at linebacker. But the only way that you can do that, and we learned the lesson, you know, hard last year watching this team, is that they need they need big people up front to basically like eliminate the run. And then, you know, they were they were horrible against the run last year, last in the league, according to football outsiders, led to all sorts of other things, problems with the defense, including they couldn't get into third and long very often to throw to their cornerbacks, to let the pass rush go, like all this sort of stuff. So the Patriots, if if they could beef up the defensive line, and I'm talking, you got to bring back Danny Shelton, uh, uh, Lawrence guy, probably bring back a Danny Shelton. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Bo Allen; he's under contract. But you you got to bring in another, along with Shelton, maybe another free agent or two plus edges who could play the run and better than John Simon. You know, invest in say six guys deep up front between end and tackle and all that stuff. And now you can play smaller on the second level. And then all of a sudden I think you're cooking with gas with you're better against the run. You're faster. You get the third down and long, you get to your blitz packages, you get to your coverage, right? you know, all that stuff. So I think that that is sort of one of the, one of the plans for this offseason. Yeah, not a surprise. I mean, you and I have talked about this since going back to the season. Bo Allen on the back of a milk cart and then is not able to come back or even 
get out on the field. That's a major swing and a miss by Belichick. And they just did not have enough up front. It was Lawrence Guy getting double teamed and, and trying to really pray for his life as a football guy out there up in front. And, and then you've got guys that don't really contain the edge consistently. They do need an overhaul up there, and I'm glad that they're talking about it. Uh, nugget number two. I'm going to read this in full. It has to do with <laughs> Cam Newton. And I feel like when we talk about Cam, we don't want to leave anything out because a lot of people are fired up about this idea of Cam returning. Yep. Here's what you wrote, Greg. I hate to say this, but I now think the Patriots are talking themselves into bringing back Cam, or at least that Bill will, but not as the starter, as part of a room. They really think his surrounding cast was a big problem. Yeah, this one was tough, Nick. And, and it's just, you know, the more I talk to people around the team, it the more it – I'm trying to figure out how, how I would term – you know, hearing these people talk about Cam Newton and that they just don't dismiss him. It's just very odd, Nick. And and it seems to me that I think they have some idea that Bill loves Cam, which we've talked about going back into the middle of the beginning of the season. Yeah. We talked about like, you guys don't understand how good his leadership is behind the scenes. They love him. They, you know, they, he, they can't say enough things about his leadership and, and what he brought behind the scenes. And that's going back to end of the season last year. Um, you know, but the way they talk, the way they don't dismiss him, it's almost a, like they think, well, this is almost fait accompli where Bill is going to bring him back. And like, in that they've sort of talked themselves into it. And now, now they're justifying it, you know, because I'll bring up, all right, fine. I understand all the intangibles, you know, he brought. I understand he has some allure to other team, uh, other players in the league. But at the end of the day, he doesn't win pre-snap enough for this scheme. And number two, you know, he throws the ball like he's throwing a javelin. And that doesn't work in this scheme. And, and you know, the way things get explained away to me is, well, if, you know, Bill realizes we didn't give him anything last year. And if we had this X, Y, and Z, then Cam would have been better. We could coach Cam to do X, Y, and Z. And the more I listen to this stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to happen. Like Cam is going to, Cam is going to be back here. I think people are going to freak out, but I don't think it's, nobody's talking about him bringing, bringing him back as a starter. I think you're looking at a scenario where, it's say a Gardner Minshew, which I think they are open to Minshew, Cam Newton, and a draft pick. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the top five that you hear. I think the Patriots think there's a lot of depth in this quarterback class. And I think they're excited about some of these quote unquote secondary guys Interesting in this draft. So you bring, you have Minshew, Newton, and a draft pick say is the worst case scenario for this team. I think they're pretty, I think they think they'll be okay with that group. Do you think they'd be okay? I don't understand the point of Newton. I, I just don't like you want to go get Minshew because he's the best available. I think he'd be, I think he'd be good here. I think he'd be exciting. He'd make the Patriots a lot more exciting to watch. I think he would be a good fit here. And then you pair him with a draft pick. I think that's a plan. I don't understand the need for cam. I think it's a, it's a charity case. It's, you know, you did right by us. You're talking nice about us. So we're going to bring you back in the fold. That's the way I feel about it. I don't know how you feel. Nick. 
let me see how the rest of it falls. Uh, I, yeah. you know, bringing back Cam as the starter is a disaster. It's an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. I don't think he's one of the top 32 quarterbacks that will be out there in the league. And I know he said during his whole, you know, podcast there, I am athlete uh, last week, two weeks ago that, you know, he, he feels like he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks. I don't think he is right now. And I think when you look at the quarterbacks that will be coming in via the draft, it's a really hard case to make where that guy should be starting. I mean, maybe you could argue that he should be battling Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky if Chicago brings those guys back, you know. But overall, I don't have a huge problem if Cam's the backup because I could justify Cam being one of the top 50 quarterbacks in the league, not one of the top 30, but I could say, well, okay, top 50. Let me know who's going to be the other guy. Uh, If you bring in a Minshew and Cam and Cam's the backup and Minshew wins the job and then you have a young developmental guy, I don't think that's the the worst thing. Uh, it, it all depends Better on than what last year. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the options, right? And th- that's really what we're left with. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not going to get Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. I don't think it's likely you get one of the top four guys unless one of them falls to you at 15 and you like him so much that you're going to draft him there. Uh, we look at these other names, you know, it, it is quite possible, if not probable, that San Francisco doesn't make a move and Jimmy G is stuck there. And you start to look around and there aren't as many options for the Patriots with Stafford swatting them away and him going to LA, you know, with, with golf going to Detroit and, and with Wentz going to Indy, you have these moves. I don't think they're going to be in on Watson. Unfortunately for them, the jets in Miami might be the two best possibilities for a Watson trade, but I don't think, and I don't think you believe that either team is going to work with the Patriots to give them the quarterback of the freaking future. So I don't think right. Sam Darnold would be available to them. Two is not going to be available to them. The second pick and third pick, I don't think will be available to them. So when you start to look at the options, you know, given how the rest of the market falls, the idea of Minshew Cam and a developmental prospect, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Let's jump to your number one nugget. Nick, one, one more thing on that. Um, sure. and, I, and I wonder what your, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because I was just thinking this while you were, while you were talking, because I thought you brought up some valid points. Um, so, so my initial advice to the Patriot would be like, look, I, look, if you love Cam and Bill loves Cam, look, I understand that. But my advice to you is don't, don't be in any rush. And I don't think they need yeah. to be. You know, like, look, go through free agency, see what you can do, make whatever trade you can. If, if it becomes apparent that Jimmy G, like, even if they traded for a Minshew, that doesn't proclaim, preclude them, say, the 49ers make a big move up in the draft, and right. then they say Jimmy's available. You could still go get Jimmy, and you yep. could have Minshew. Yep. And, but my advice to the Patriots is don't do anything with Cam until after the draft. Like, and, and I just wonder how they – do they think we need to do something because of free agency and all that, that we need to get Cam so he's texting guys or what? My advice is – like, don't believe in that. Like, and I don't think they do. I think they realize we're going to have to make a competitive offer for the last nugget that we're going to talk about. Um, but my advice to them is like, fine, you can you can have Cam as your little pet project, what have you, but don't try to sell it to this fan base before the draft. Like, just don't. Yeah, and I don't know what Cam's pull is within the league. Again, we can talk about some of the things about him as a leader and him as a name and guys love yeah. him. 
I don't know. We talk about, and your final nugget is, the Patriots are expected to be in on the big ticket wide receivers and tight ends, even at the very top, you know. But who's not going to get tagged, which is the million-dollar question. Jonu Smith, of course. Kenny Galladay. Allen Robinson. There's a lot of guys out Hunter there. Hunter Henry. Yep, Hunter Henry, who are you know top-of-the-market guys. Obviously, if they get tagged, then it's unlikely they're going to be brought in unless it's part of a tag and a deal, which could happen, of course. Like if I think if Chicago tags Allen Robinson, I think he's going to get dealt. They haven't talked. Those guys haven't yeah. talked since last September. I don't think they have a whole hell of a lot of interest in keeping him long-term. But, you know, when you look at this, I know a lot of people get wrapped up. And the idea is, Greg, man, if they don't get a quarterback, that's going to paralyze their offseason. Yeah. I just want to talk about that for a minute because mm -hmm. in my eyes, I think that's overplayed, and I'll tell you why. Number one, not a lot of teams have space. You know, so it's not like all of these guys, and and I'm not interested in going out and getting a top dog. I think when you look at the the evidence throughout the NFL, top wide receivers don't necessarily mean a winning team. You've got to have some depth. You have to have more than that. People will say Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman, the running yeah. backs they've had, right? And even, even with Tampa, yeah, Chris Godwin. But you've got Mike Evans. You've got Antonio Brown. You've got the tight ends. To go out and get a number one premier wide receiver and pay the price that it costs to bring one of those guys in, the vast majority of the time that backfires on the team, and they don't end up winning anything so that's the first thing i would say the second thing i would say as far as the the market being you know paralyzed for the patriots what we just talked about greg i don't know how you feel if you agree or not but when you look at the quarterbacks that are available i don't know if any of these let's say curtis samuel that's a guy i would love for them to get i love that guy i think he's a perfect fit i would love to bring in samuel and marvin jones depending on how much they make if you can get those guys for a combined 15 16 million i'm all in on those two dudes right if you go to Marvin Jones or you go to Curtis Samuel, I don't know if there's a whole heck of a lot of difference in their eyes between Gardner Minshew and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I think you're looking at tiers. And, you know, aside from the Patriots going to a free agent saying, we're going to get Deshaun Watson, I just don't know how much of a difference that's going to play. Yeah, I, I don't think it makes very much difference. I think it's completely overblown i think it's a media construction a talk radio no offense nick um construction <laughs> um, especially in this market um but you know because i i've gone through it i don't have the list right in front of me but i've gone through like you know the past not, the last year's free agent class was not very good for receivers but i think the year before there were some and the year before and if you look at these guys like Say, you know, when Stefan Diggs got dealt to the Bills, Josh Allen stunk. Like, yep. nobody thought anything of Josh Allen. Yep. When Robbie Anderson signed with, he was like the quote, one of the quote unquote top unrestricted free agents at wide receiver last year. He signed with the Carolina Panthers with a new coach in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, and you could go through every year, there are guys, you know, that sign, and it's because. It's not because of the quarterback. It's, it's a complete misnomer. I mean, there are very few guys who could sit there and say, I'm going to pick my quarterback. Now, maybe Hunter Henry, who has talked about that, could do that because he could be, if he's not tagged, which I think he will be, um, he could be the top unrestricted guy, and he could say, you know what? I have all these offers. I can pick the best quarterback or what have you. Right. But that's very few and far between, and most yeah. of the time it's how high is your stack 
When do I get it? How much is guaranteed? All that stuff. And I think the Patriots realize they have to be competitive. And look, I'm not saying that they are going to get one of these top guys. I'm just telling you that the belief around the team is that they're going to be hot and heavy for the top receivers and tight ends in this free agent class because they know they, they're basically going to use free agency to, to, to really get better on offense quickly, and we'll see from there. Well, I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that idea. I, I don't want them. What I don't want to see, I love Allen Robinson. Love him. Yep. I love mm-hmm. watching him. I think he's a tough guy. I think he's a team guy. I, I think he's very dependable. He has incredible hands. He makes so many tough catches. I mean, if he was on a team outside of Chicago over the past couple of years, we'd be talking about him even more. He, he has yeah. saved that quarterback situation at times in Chicago. But I'm not paying Allen Robinson 18 to 20 million a year. I'm just I'm just not doing it. To me, if I'm the Patriots, and I would imagine with they Belichick, might. Uh, I mean, I I would hope that this is the one time that I hope Belichick would would go along with his philosophy where he's not going to pay tippity top dollar for a for a position that really doesn't even, you know, need it, right? I, I mean, if I'm him, listen, and I'm Belichick has forgotten more football than I'll ever learn. Ha ha ha. But if, if, if I were if I were Belichick, I would look at Marvin Jones, Curtis Samuel, you know, Jared Cook. Uh, I'd rather, I would yeah. keep an eye on him. Nelson Aguilar, who a lot of people will remember his Philadelphia days. He was damn good in, in Vegas yep. this past year. So I would rather look at getting two or three of those guys versus walking into the store and getting the shiniest toy on the shelf and pay $20 million plus for Allen Robinson. I think it makes your team better and deeper if you put the money towards Samuel Jones and Cook or Samuel Aguilar and Jonu Smith. If Smith gets tagged, he gets tagged. Another guy I'm looking at is Corey Davis. Uh, there's concern with him because it was a contract year when he finally boomed. You know, would, how much By is the that? way, I'll just tell you, that would be a no on Corey Davis. Okay. So <laughs> you, when you look at these, you look at these guys that are, you know, not the tippity top, but the guys that are just below that you might be able yep. to get for seven to nine million. I'm all in on those kinds of guys. Let's get to the yep. uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out at BSJ, 11 cents a day on the annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but, of course, you guys and gals are Pat's junkies. So a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Let's go to uh, BH Saunders, Greg. Uh, would be curious to hear GB's perspective uh, how important it is to have veterans with a bunch of rings to maintain the culture from those years. Feels like there are a lot of those guys on their way out. He mentions Edelman, White, Tooney, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I think that this is another one of those overblown things. I mean, I, look, it's it's great to have leadership. And I'm sure the, Patri- the Patriots will always have, well, not always. We'll see what happens in the next two to three years. But you know, with Devin McCourty and, you know, and who knows, even a guy like Jonathan Jones and if Lawrence Guy comes back and you're going to have Shaq Mason, you'll probably have David Andrews. Like, they have plenty of guys who who can lead in the room and be there. And you don't, you know, you don't need that. I mean, look, Julian Edelman was a great player, great Patriot. We'll go into the Patriots Hall of Fame um, without question. But he was never a captain here. I don't think he was very much of a leader. I think he just took care of his own business, and that's okay. Um, right. James White was a quiet guy. 
sort of a lead by example guy. Same with Joe Tooney. Both were lead by example guys. And that's great. I mean, but you know, look at the Bucks this past year. They go win a Super Bowl and you know, they just had one guy, really Brady, who had been there. And so there are and different Gronk. ways to do you it. You have to throw Gronk in there too. But yeah, I mean, it, that Tampa Bay wasn't littered with a locker room of guys that have been there before. I, I do. Yeah. Th- I agree with you that that's, uh, that tends to be overplayed. And you know, the, the overall takeaway I think from this episode for me is that again, the Patriots are being aggressive already. And, and I know people want them to be aggressive and, and they want to see big moves, especially at quarterback. I, I'm being a little bit more patient you know, than, than some people are, I'm sure, because I'm looking at the calendar. I know over the next week or two, a lot of guys are going to get cut that are going to open up opportunities. Then you'll get into free agency. And depending on what happens with free agency, then you start to focus on the draft, right? So, you know, just the idea of them, you know, the takeaways. Okay. So they're, they've been aggressive. You've mentioned this and Jeff Howe has also mentioned this over the past week or two. They've been very aggressive with the quarterback market. People will say, yeah, but they haven't brought anybody in. Well, okay, Matthew Stafford wasn't going to be an option, okay? wasn't going to happen. Did you want Carson Wentz? I certainly did not want Carson Wentz. Do you want Jared Goff in his contract? I would not want Jared Goff in the con. So nobody yeah. that has gone, you know, is, it has really been an option for the Patriots. So let's see. They're aggressive in the quarterback market, which means they know, like all of us know, they need to be better. Uh, they're also going to be aggressive on the defensive line. I think that's good news. They absolutely need the help. And, you know, the final nugget that we had today with the big ticket wide receivers and tight ends, I think that is something people have been pining for this team to, to be talking about and looking at for the last few years. So it, it does look like, and this goes back to what you said a couple of months ago, Greg, you were one of, if not the first guy that mentioned it to me, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, they know. Mm. They know the error of their ways. They know this offense is crap. They know they've got to put assets and and they've got to dump, uh, you know, an investment into that side of the football. And this just moves that ball along, no pun intended, that, yeah, they understand that. They're going to be aggressive. And it doesn't sound like they're afraid to pay money to bring in a Marvin Jones or an Allen Robinson or, or one of these bigger ticket items. And I think that's good news for Patriots fans because it means they're going to make a concerted effort to change this team. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's you, you said it all, Nick. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sometimes I say too much. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 49 in the books. We'll see what they do over the next several days. If something breaks, we'll be all over it. If news happens, we'll be on it. Uh, but it does sound like it's going to be an aggressive off season until the next time. Be good. Be safe. Be healthy. He's Greg. I'm Nick. 